1: When I try Deathwish coffee, it feels like Jesus Christ himself washing down my throat. But
0: Kurt, this is a lot of coffee. You must have spent a ton of money on it. And not just
2: American dollars, but Canadian money.
1: Fuck, no I didn't. I used coupon code 3 Nerds and I got 10% off. You can too! In a world of lame nerdy podcasts, one, no three, and maybe sometimes more nerds, will rise to the challenge. We hold the studios accountable. We celebrate the amazing feats of cinema. We sometimes rage out. We are the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Three Angry Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis, with me, as always, doing our best to not spoil Love is Blind season three, Katie.
2: Hi. Good morning
1: good morning so katie we're all caught up on love is blind but we have to be careful because we've seen episode 11 but the world hasn't and there's a lot of shit that goes down in episode 11 of, you, know, <laughs> but you you messaged me on slack you're like oh my gosh this is this is too much but yes uh, we're talking about episodes 8 through 10 which still have quite a bit to go through um episode 11 we'll talk about next week and then there's a reunion too which oh man the dirt on that is gonna be amazing uh and then making this well at least with us podcast debut we've got ryan how's it going ryan
0: good kurt excited to be here today thanks for having me it's a little little early but getting it off to a good start
1: yeah i always say when i'm doing the podcast i have to like stumble to the coffee machine i'm just like i just stand in front of it while it's making coffee. I'm like, I, I, th- this is everything I need right now. Like, I just need this coffee. Um, but, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, and we got uh, know, a whole bunch of news. There's some stuff going down in the movie movie world, TV world. Uh, I guess I'll just dive right in here. Uh, Diego Luna, probably best known for Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, He's currently playing uh, Cassian Andor and Andor on Disney+. Plus. He's being eyed to play MCU's Mr. Fantastic, which I'm sure some people will be, like, upset about because they saw Multiverse of Madness. They saw, uh, what's his name, John Krasinski playing it. So they'll be like, what? Why isn't it that guy? But, you know. Katie Ryan, any of you uh, got opinions on this?
0: I mean, it... I can only imagine it's just because I can't afford John Krasinski <laughs> at this point, or, or I mean, you know, what? What is the what is the uh, the back and forth between between the two? Because I mean, Krasinski's great, but you know, Luna's like a rising star, so so maybe a good choice. I, I don't really know.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe Krasinski had a little bit too much of a price tag attached. I could also just see it too that like Krasinski. Probably would also be like I'm totally fine with just doing my own thing. Like he does his um, John Ryan or whatever the show is on uh, Amazon Prime. It's probably not John Ryan. I'm just butchering that, but um,
0: Jack Ryan. Yeah, Jack that's Ryan. the Tom Clancy novels.
1: Yeah, doing that. He's doing his Quiet Place movies. Like I, I get the impression he's probably just like I don't, know. I don't need to do, participate in any of this. So yeah, that's, uh, it's probably, that that could be a two, it could be cost too much, but yeah, Diego Luna's fine. Um, I think some other scooper hinted that like a star actor from star Wars would be at least auditioning for it. So, um, that would make sense. He's he's been in the star Wars, so I'd be fine with them. I mean, he's, he's a good actor, so all good for that. Uh, And then Yahya Abdul-Mateen II has been cast as Wonder Man in an upcoming Disney Plus series. This guy's been just hopping around because he does uh, DC. He was in the Aquaman movies and then uh, he was also in the Watchmen TV series as well. So he's uh, definitely no stranger to comic movies, but uh, yeah, making his debut in Marvel. Um, Yeah, I think it's good casting. Um, it's just funny, though, because time I've ever watched him in anything, he always seems to be playing, like, a previous character, uh, or, you know, like, a very well-known character, so, like, Wonder Man's kind of a character that's not really overly well-known to most audiences, so, I'm like, hmm. That'll be interesting. Katie, do you, are you excited for this Wonder Man Disney Plus series?
2: I didn't even know what was happening. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> That's okay. Well, now you know. Now you can put it on your to-watch list.
2: Now I'll add it to my watch list.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alright, we got uh, Joe Locke cast in Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Uh, this is going to be kind of like a sequel series to WandaVision. Uh, most likely playing one of the boys. That uh, Scarlet Witch had uh, Wiccan. So the show's coming along. I thought it was just going to be about Agatha Harkness, but I guess not. Apparently, it's about more than that. But Ryan, did you watch uh, One Vision at all?
0: I did actually. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olson and uh, who played Agatha? Um, oh, what's her name?
1: She's like a really good comedic actress too. I forget yeah, the name, but she also yeah. played Doc Ock in the Spider Verse movie.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I liked all the actors. So actually, that was I don't watch a whole lot of the Marvel shows, but that was one that I watched and enjoyed pretty well. So I'll be excited to see how this one turns out. I know they've got like a pretty like stacked cast for it. Um. So you know, it's it, like to how they're going to continue on that series. You know, if they're going to s- stick with that, like nostalgia that they were playing with and everything. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited seeing her Agatha's character, especially I thought was, was pretty well done. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And the actress is Catherine Hahn. Who's... Right. Yeah. She's, she's good. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm all for this. Uh, uh... The thing is, too, is, like, I thought this was going to be a little bit more standalone, but it does seem to, like, connect a lot more to WandaVision. And then they also had that new Vision show coming, too. So it seems like it, it's, like, they both seem to be kind of all kind of doing, like, a through line. Like, you've got WandaVision and then this Agatha show and then Vision Quest. Like, they all kind of seem to be tied into each other pretty, pretty concretely, so...
0: Well, you know, you got to keep the universe all connected together, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, what's the point of doing any of this if it doesn't all connect <laughs> to each other? <laughs> kidding. I'm ju- I'm kidding, listeners. They can have a show that, like, does its own thing once in a while. That's actually why yeah. I like the um, Werewolf by Night. Cause it was like, that just did its own thing. And it didn't really have to connect to any Marvel stuff super concretely. It just was having fun doing its own thing.
0: No, I was I was with you. I ended up watching that and really enjoying it. That um, again, you know, Marvel has the money to get some incredible actors, and that was like that was a fun throwback to those old Universal monsters. Yeah, that, uh, it was refreshing to see mm-hmm. with the Marvel logo on front. Yeah, and everything too.
1: I had to like check myself. I'm like, oh yeah, right. This is a Marvel show or movie, or yeah, it was a movie. Yeah, it was a like really short movie, but cool uh logan star daphne Keane, who played x-23 the little mini wolverine That's <laughs> i was calling because i remember seeing that movie i was like oh it's like a little mini wolverine um uh, she's set to join the cast of star wars the acolyte which is gonna take place um before all the events of uh phantom menace and all that so it's a prequel to the prequel of star wars um yeah cool i don't know too much about this and i'm like i'm fine with that i'll probably watch it at star wars but
0: yeah 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 i'm not i'm not fully versed on that whole universe but they keep going for it so you know some of the stuff turns out good so
1: yeah uh, Mandalorian Season 3 premiere date seemingly revealed to be February 22nd, 2023 so just a few months away here uh, and apparently we're going to be getting our first trailer for Season 3 on Christmas Day so you know, you can tell your grandma you're ignoring her while you watch the trailer for that movie or show uh, sorry grandma, I'll hear about your old folks home after I watch this trailer <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, normally Mandalorian uh, debuts closer to like December, so they're waiting a little bit, but it's coming. Get your Mandalorian soon.
0: It'll be exciting. I I I do enjoy that show. I think it's it's kind of funny that they brought in, you know, Robert Rodriguez and and had him kind of take the reins on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, between him and and Favreau being and kind of you know mm-hmm. running the show over there. It, they're doing some interesting stuff with it, and I like the I like the like the Western influences and everything too. So yeah, maybe to see what happens in season three.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then speaking of Spider Verse, uh, they're including a bunch of previous Spider Man in across the Spider Verse. So there's this new rumor, uh, Christopher Christopher Daniel Barnes who. Uh, He voiced the Spider-Man in um, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. He's rumored to be joining. They're also rumoring that uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man's going to appear, and that the Insomniac Games from the PS4 Spider-Man's going to appear, and even Josh Keaton, who voiced Spider-Man in another one of the cartoons. So, excuse me. They're apparently going for broke, just including all these different spider man Although, interestingly enough, Christopher Daniel Barnes... He did, like, some posts on Instagram, I remember, like, a while ago. Because there, there was a rumor before that he had been... He was in the new Spider-Verse movie, and he was denying it, basically being like, Hey, I, uh, I'm i not in this. But he kept saying the next Spider-Man, so some people took that to mean, like, Oh, maybe he's just referring to Spider-Man No way home, which hadn't come out yet. Uh, and, you know, maybe it was indeed true that he's going to be in Across the Spider-Verse. So... Once again, the rumor pops its head that he's in across the Spider Verse, which I'd be totally down for. I would love to see uh, the '90s cartoon Spider-Man. I, I have such nostalgia for that, so I'd be totally down to see that again.
0: Seems like uh, seems like everybody who played Spider-Man is gonna get their get their chance to do it again. At, you know, at some point.
1: Although, what I really hope with. Um, uh what's his name uh the uh tom holland i would really love if they kept him live action and kept the other ones all animated like just kind of like leaned into the fact that he's not an animated spider-man <laughs> just it's like robert roger rabbit kind of situation where he's interacting with these animated spider-man but he's still just like live action i think it'd be hilarious
0: I'd love that. There's not enough of that, like, humans interacting with uh, cartoons, you know? Last last good one we had, I feel like, was, uh, well, Gooby-Doo. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was a while ago, too. That was, like, the... I, I think, are you talking about the James Gunn movie from, like, 13? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I was gonna say the the new Space Jam one, but I don't think you can uh, you can call that good. Yeah.
1: No, that movie was uh, a real mess. Yeah. Uh, so
0: but but they hey, tried. Yeah,
1: but hey, across the Spider Verse, it's gonna be huge. Like, if all these characters end up showing up, like, it's gonna be so much bigger than the first movie. And I like the first movie, so like keep keep it entertaining. I'm all for it. Okay. Uh, Kristen Milioti who uh, she was the titular mom in How I Met Your Mother. Uh, she's been in a few other projects as well. She's joined HBO Max's Penguin series which is a prequel to or no a sequel sorry to the Batman movie that came out this year. Uh, and She's going to be playing Sophia Falcone the daughter of um, the Falcone that died in the in the Batman movie spoiler sorry oops but yeah um yeah show's coming along although some people complain because in the comics Sophia Falcone's like this massive woman like Gwendolyn Christie sized woman and everyone's like Kristen Milioti's like quite tiny and I'm like well A I don't think it really matters and B if they really want to I'm sure they could use like prosthetics or CGI to make her look big so
0: all good. Yeah, I'm. I'm just excited to see what they do with that one, though. With the uh, with how good Colin Farrell was as uh penguin. Yes. Yeah. Man, like seeing that in theaters, I didn't believe it was him for the first like half hour. Mm-hmm. Like I, it was amazing. So, like you said, yeah, with the prosthetics that they used on him, surely they can do they can do something if they want to, mm-hmm. to make. Her more like the comic book character.
1: Yeah. All right, right. Uh, David Zaslav, who is the uh the new owner over at Warner Brothers Discovery, CEO. He's interested in working with J.K. Rowling again on more Harry Potter movies, and everyone was like, uh, didn't you know she got canceled? <laughs> um, yeah. I guess it's kind of tough because they kind of probably want to get more of that franchise, but when you're when the creator behind it is problematic, it's like, uh, do you really want to touch that? Do you really want to work with her on it? Uh, touchy subject. But, uh, Katie, would you want to see some more Harry Potter movies, or are you like, nah?
2: No, J.K. Rowling.
1: She's done. Clocked out.
2: No. Yeah. Cancel her. Well, she is cancelled, but, you know.
1: Keep her cancelled? Yes. Okay. I'm also like, I don't know if I need more Harry Potter. Like, I don't know. The, the core movies and books and all that were pretty good. I don't think I need too much more.
0: But... I think we've we've got our fill of Harry Potter, so... Yeah.
1: They tried to do those Fantastic Beasts and like those didn't quite perform that well. Because I think it's just like, I, I think like the people who were reading Harry Potter and watching those movies as kids, or like young adults or whatever, like they've kind of just grown up, and I don't think they're really, I don't think as many people are gonna be driven to go and watch a movie in that universe again as people assume they would be. Because it's like if you're looking at like 2005, 2006, when like those movies and books were like really big. Yeah, sure, you could probably look at it and go, okay, yeah, this is a big thing, and everyone's going to be really into it. But, yeah, it's been, like, gosh, almost 20 years since those books were all really, like, super popular. So, yeah, it's been, been a bit. I think, uh, you know, people are into different stuff now, and I think that's just goes with how these things kind of tend to go, you know. Some stuff like Star Wars and other stuff, people will still kind of keep keep attached to but I just think for some reason Harry Potter just never is quite like that.
0: No, it's hard to keep, hard to keep a property like that alive for so long. And then, whenever you throw in, you know, all the, all the st- all the other stuff that's happened, and the, you know, the controversies and everything. Like you can, yeah, that, that will really tank it, tank it all. I feel like.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, my favorite news of the week: a twenty four and Brian Fuller are developing a Friday the Thirteenth pre- prequel series. Sorry. Uh, called Crystal Lake for Peacock. Uh, about damn time. More Friday the 13th. It's been like, God, when did the reboot come out? I want to say like 2008 or something like that. Um, it's been a long time since we've had anything to do with Friday the 13th. And not only are they bringing it back, but they're bringing it back with Brian Fuller, who most people know for Hannibal. That show was fantastic. So, I mean, I I don't know. There's, uh maybe there's room for this to be terrible but i i'm i'm so into these movies that i i'm gonna love it regardless and uh, the reboot came out in 2009 so it's been like yeah over a decade since the, the last movie in this franchise it's crazy
0: yeah, yeah i knew you're, you're the the expert on friday the 13th from <laughs> what i hear um but yeah i was kind of excited to to, to hear what you said about this because like yeah their whole thing's been tied up in legal battles for year years mm-hmm. and i i thought whenever i read that that like the legal battles were done mm-hmm. but i guess it's not necessarily the case because yeah. from what i was reading like yeah they they're saying that they were able like A24 was be able to get the rights for a TV show but the movie stuff is still tied up but man Brian Fuller's Hannibal was was like i think that was like responsible for me getting into horror again like mm-hmm. i i caught it on tv and and just absolutely loved it and it made me like fall in love with the genre all over again
1: yeah and yeah like from what i've heard basically the issue is is that like two parties kind of own different sets of rights for the friday the 13th movies um one can uh distribute the movies like domestically within like u.s and canada and then the other can distribute it only internationally and for them to like work together they'd have to work together creatively and financially and it's like they're both just like old dudes and not to be too mean but it's like i think they might just be a little too tough to work with each other now uh and yeah so, yeah, by doing the show, they kind of bypass all that. And uh, from what I've heard, like, they have full rights to use anything within the Friday the 13th mythos. So so there was a rumor that when this first got announced, they were like, oh, they can't use the mask. They can't use, like, Jason Proppers like most people know him. And Brian Fuller was like, no, we can It's just, you know, because it's not a movie, we can do pretty much anything we want. So uh, I'm sure the show will build up to us having him in a mask at a certain point. But I also think, too, like, there was a comic that came out a while back, uh, and it kind of was like a prequel story to Friday the 13th and kind of covered a bit of uh, Jason's mom, Pamela, his dad, and, like, kind of what led to him becoming Jason. There was even a script that never came to fruition, but, like, it kind of took some of those elements and took it into – being like a movie showing yeah Jason's mother and father but also like showing what kind of led to him becoming Jason but a bit more than just he drowned in a lake like just showing like how his life was and how it contributed to him becoming Jason so I have a feeling uh that stuff never never has actually made into screen so I think Brian fuller could easily like tap into some of that and show some of that and maybe like Season 1 and 2, you kind of like build up to Jason drowning. But then like after that, you can maybe have him be a bit more Jason as we know him. So, yeah, it's super exciting. I'm all for this. Like, never thought in a billion years we'd get something. I, thought, I honestly thought like this franchise was done. I'm like, they're never going to resolve their issues. We're just, we're never going to get anything. But yeah, they, we got something coming. The only thing that sucks, at all, to be completely honest, is I like I don't know if I want to get Peacock just for this, but that's the only thing I'm a little like. Uh, do I really need Peacock? Do I actually?
0: So. So it's the way they it's the way they get everybody on all of the streaming services. Is slowly getting things that you like on on each one.
1: Yeah. And the sad thing is, I was like, ah, oh, maybe like we don't have Peacock up here. Maybe it's just U.S. only, and we can like get it on Netflix instead. No, nah, there's Peacock in Canada, so like, of course, <sighs> I'm really, there. I
0: don't, I don't think I've heard of anything on Peacock Canada. That's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's got a huge selection, unfortunately. But yeah, so that's that's coming eventually, and uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what they announce for it, but, uh, yeah, for now, cool. Uh, DC Stargirl canceled at the CW after three seasons. Uh, this is not too surprising. Uh, CW's been slowly canceling its shows post-merger. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Stargirl maybe not too surprising, although this leaves like the only CW show still standing as the Superman and Lois show that, uh, Debuted like a year or two ago, so it's the only show left and probably won't be around for much longer either. Although they're probably just biding their time for that one. But uh, not much more to say on that one, it's probably just it's I've never really watched girl so I can't tell you if it's where it's at story wise, but it's done. Or- Uh, Speaking to canceled Westworld, HBO cancels the sci-fi drama after four seasons. This was a bit surprising because I think most people thought Westworld was still pretty good and doing relatively well. But uh, the trades were reporting that apparently the cost of the show uh, was a bit too much to justify keeping it on. uh, Even though it was doing decent viewership. So that's unfortunate. but. I stopped watching Westworld after like season two. I was just like, ah, this this show's getting to be a little too much. I have to like do homework for the show, and I'm not really in the mood for that. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. anybody here watch Westworld?
0: I really liked Westworld. Like the first two seasons, I it, yeah, I was. I think they did such interesting stuff with it, and and really really liked a lot of the cast from it. In the storyline, but uh, yeah, when it started getting to that third and fourth season, though, it really did get so complicated. Whenever they brought in the modern world and everything, and 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 yeah, like I, it makes sense to me, but I am bummed that we're not able to see how they're gonna wrap it all up because I know that they were wanting to tie it all together this season. So it is kind of a shocker, but you know, at the same time, you know, uh, the uh, the economy is falling you know HBO is is feels like they're in the little crosshairs of that that Discovery HBO merger so you know to see that one go doesn't surprise me too much but I think it is a little bit of a of a loss that we don't get to see how they how they really wanted to end the show but you know maybe we'll we'll get a fan rebooted movie sometime in the future and, and be yeah. able to find out the story but yeah, I could have been happy with those first two seasons and that being it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think season four just wrapped. And I think uh, the creators were saying they might try to do a season five as like a final season. So that still could happen, like give it a proper wrap up. But I don't know if that's going to be the case, because, I mean, if it's costing a ton of money and they've already made their decision to try to convince them to do like one more season, if it's super expensive, they might just go. Yeah, we'll see. I I mean I I clocked out a while ago with the show, but yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, people would want some closure at least. Um, although from what I heard, season four did kind of end a few storylines and wrap them up. So you know, if they did end things here, it wouldn't be totally a loss. But there were still like a few dangling plot threads to be resolved. So
0: yeah, well, we'll see, you see. what see what the future brings but yeah no i don't think that's one that you know like you said it's not too terribly surprising so at least we got a little a couple good seasons out of the show
1: mm. all right uh well last world's done but uh the last of us is coming and uh it has a january 15th premiere date so not too much longer to go until you can watch the last of us on hbo i'm pretty excited for this show um based on the video game that I played and uh yeah it's got an impressive cast that looks like the world building and like set design and all that it's just fantastic so I mean I'm, I'm super pumped for this and uh yeah just like a couple more months to go so
0: the uh the writer of that show craig mazin he uh he did chernobyl too mm. and he's one of my favorite like i he's got a podcast all on screenwriting and it's one of the only ones that i li- listen to religiously um but yeah he's a he's an incredibly smart writer so i'm really really excited to see what how that show comes out because because he's been talking about it quite a bit and, and seems very, very excited about it, so they it seems like they assembled the right crew, and, and the trailer just looks amazing, so
1: yeah and I think too, like, I'm just curious like, what that uh, what deviations they might take from the video game plot, because I mean, if they were just to do one-to-one, it wouldn't be that exciting because you've already played the game, you probably know what to expect, I hope the show does, like, something a little differently which, obviously, sometimes fans don't always take to that well, but I'm in the camp where I'm like, no, do something different like If I were to just watch what I've already played like just on screen, that'd be kind of boring. Like I want something a little bit more exciting. So curious what they'll change up for that. Um, I
0: guess it comes down to how much creative liberty they got with it too, you know, mm-hmm. and how much they they're saying to copy it. but yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. like the more they change up, the better. Because yes. you know, it's part of the joy of watching watching the shows.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, and then final bit of news this week: we've got um, the uh, Sandman on the uh, Netflix. Some people were wondering if that was going to get a second season. It just got renewed, so yeah, get another season of that show on Netflix. And um, yeah, I I I still haven't seen the show, but uh, I know a lot of people are really into it, so. That will be exciting.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen it either, but I'm a big fan of the graphic novels. So mm-hmm. I need to get around to watching it, but just haven't had a chance to yet.
1: I got my Christmas break coming up, and I've told myself that's one of the shows that I want to watch over the break. So we'll see. Okay. Well, that's it for the news segment. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and uh, review... Few movies, including uh, Armageddon Time, and a couple shows like Willow and Blockbuster. Back in a bit. Hey, everybody! It's Curtis from the podcast, and you know that we're brought to you by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime's got amazing content, such as The Boys, The Expanse, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Goliath, and so much more. Don't have to take our word for it. Go try out a thirty-day trial of the service. See if you like it. If you want to stick around. They've got low introductory rates for new users who sign up, and you're going to get a ton of other Amazon Prime benefits, so sign up today and check it out. Thank you for your time. All right, we're back. Let's uh, talk about some movies. We've got uh, quite a bit to review this week, and uh, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. uh, Hitting Netflix and theaters uh the first uh one we've got here is the new show on netflix called blockbuster and um yeah it's a show kind of in the vein of like your your shows like the office or brooklyn 99 i know that's another popular one too uh like a workplace kind of comedy this one takes place in the last blockbuster known to man and um yeah, I, I wasn't too sure what to expect for this series, and I think in some ways it was very similar to what you've seen from other uh, major kind of TV show sitcoms where, yeah, it's a workplace... Our comedy and they've got uh, various things they're doing week to week in this case they're trying to keep their blockbuster open so they're doing like promotional events and stuff like that uh, throughout though there is a through line that uh, two characters are like really into each other romantically but they just never execute on their feelings for each other and uh, that kind of was kind of like the, the driving point throughout most of the series is our season at least it's like this will they, won't they and I gotta I gotta say I was a little clocked out of that storyline because I think the will they, won't they worked so well in other shows and it's been done so much in the past that to see it you know they're gonna get together and I think that's kind of the thing like it it, it, you know, and this isn't even really a spoiler. It's just how these shows are. Like, you see these two characters, you're like, you know they're going to get together. So it just kind of made that whole plot point seemed a little unnecessary. Uh And I thought it would have been better if they actually had focused more on, like, some of the side characters and gave them a bit more. Like, some of them had, like, a few B and C plots, like, just kind of going on throughout the episode, but nothing major. And I thought, actually, considering how good the cast was, I was surprised they didn't lean into telling more of their stories instead they were telling this like romance plot that like i i honestly could have just done without um so yeah i was a little surprised and yeah there were a few episodes where they kind of did a few storylines with these side characters and actually that was some of the strongest stuff in the series was stuff with these characters that you know they've got motivations they've got uh, their little quirks and whatnot it all kind of worked relatively well but then yeah they also just it would go back to that romance subplot and I just kind of clocked out whenever they would. So, uh, yeah, I think hopefully in a season two, they kind of lean into that sidecast a little bit more of the, you know, the different actors they got on. Um, because, yeah, the show is funny. It's just, yeah, it, it needs to kind of get away from that romance subplot, I think, a little bit. And I think it's fine if you did it every so often, but I think they have to kind of figure out what to do with some of these other characters, because they're they're great. They should have had more time to show So yeah, I'll give Blockbuster a 7 out of 10. Uh, it's still well worth watching, and I think if you like shows like um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Office and stuff like that, you'll probably like this too. It's very similar to that in a lot of ways, but yeah, just keep in mind that it's um, not going to be for, for everybody there. All right. I actually was accidentally almost about to review something under embargo. And then I was like, uh, it's actually under embargo. I can't review it yet. But uh, we'll talk about uh, Weird, the Al At Yankovic story. This is the Weird Al Yankovic biopic and quote marks. Uh, because not quite what you would expect from a um uh, a certain kind of i guess show or uh, you know what not because it really did kind of feel as if uh they were kind of just leaning into the absurdity of weird Al and they kind of take the music biopic documentary just subgenre and they kind of flip it on its head where It's almost like a parody, sort of like akin to, like, there was that Dewey Cox movie that came out in the early 2000s. And that was very similar to this. I felt like, just in terms of, like, being very uh, jokey and very fun, but also, like, yeah, taking some pot shots at, like, the uh, sort of the different... I guess tropes of those different movies and whatnot. so uh, but this one leans into it in a way that was like a little too crazy at times there was a few times I was like oh my gosh you guys like this just feels a little too much in spots um I guess not like overly so but just enough so that I was just like oh that felt a little weird so I don't know yeah uh i give it uh I want to say an 8 out of 10 because it just, I don't know. It just felt a little lacking in some regards. Um, yeah. Definitely, though. Uh, you can check it out. We have a we have a minute. If you're into weird out and you're into that kind of stuff, yeah, sure. It's it's probably worth it. Um. Okay. And then uh, next up. We'll review Terrifier 2. Uh, Terrifier 2 is the sequel to Terrifier. And uh, hit in Canada here a little late in the game, but it's here nonetheless. And uh, yeah, Terrifier 2 features Art the Clown in a nearly two and a half hour long slasher movie, which I think most people would not expect out of a movie like this. But nonetheless, there we are. Um, yeah this movie was a whole lot of movie <laughs> uh, there was times where I was like I can't believe they're going for the stuff they were going for Um, it did kind of feel like at times they were I don't know I want to say like just going crazy with it in a not always great way uh, there were some kills and gore in this that like, even for me, I have, like, what I consider to be, like, a relatively high tolerance for these things. And even I was like, no, this is a little too much, guys. Um, is it a good movie? Yeah. Uh, it's well made. The performances are decent. And, like, the craftsmanship it takes to, like, do these kind of kills and stuff is very impressive. I was very... Um, you know, kind of like shocked at how well they were doing, uh, doing the stories and like they were kind of implementing them in a way that like, I don't know, did did fairly well. So, um, yeah, Terrifier 2, I will give a 9 out of 10. It is very well made. I think some people are going to be turned off by the gore. I know even for my taste, I was a little, ooh, this is a little bit much, but, um, Yeah. Definitely would recommend that uh, if you're into these kind of movies and like you look, you're you're a gorehound as they say. Um, yeah, you're gonna find a lot to like with this movie. Uh, but if you're not, then yeah, you might have a tough time with this because it's not gonna be for everybody. Okay, we got a couple Blu-rays to talk about this week as well uh we've got the top gun maverick blu-ray which is uh hitting um store shelves and uh yeah it's great it's uh lacking the commentary which i guess i would have liked to see a commentary on this movie especially with all the craftsmanship that goes into making uh any tom cruise movie let alone top gun maverick uh but the special features that were there were pretty good they kind of tackle A lot of the different stuff, including like, uh, you know, what it takes to like film the the sequences where they're in the the planes and stuff like that. Just it gives you a level of respect for this movie that I think a lot of people would not have. Um, Yeah, I I would give this Blu-ray probably like a nine out of ten. I did really like it. My only real thing that was a disappointment again was. The lack of a commentary. I really did want one. I understand they got the special features and that was great. But I definitely wanted a bit more out of it uh, than, than they had there. So, yeah. If you're a fan of Top Gun, Maverick, definitely pick up the Blu-ray. And, uh, yeah. Next up is Saturday Night Fever, which is great. Real classic of a movie. And, uh, yeah. Yeah great uh, Blu-ray for this one as well. Also just features a great soundtrack and special features, which they really lean into heavily with the the special features on it. So, uh, definitely was uh, you know a movie I haven't watched too much of, but now that I own the Blu-ray of it, I was able to. And uh, yeah, it was just good times. Uh, I would give this probably like an 8 out of 10. I think you know, your your mileage will vary a little bit based on how much you you like these uh, like the movie, but uh, you know if you're a fan of this movie, then yeah, it's uh, definitely well worth uh, picking up. Okay, I think we're ready for Armageddon time, but I don't know if you all are ready. So yeah. Okay. And uh, final review this week, we've got Armageddon Time, which uh, both Ryan and Katie, you two have seen. Tell me a little bit about this movie. What's it about? What you think?
0: I uh, So, yeah, I went and saw this was my first review, but I got to go and see Armageddon Time. I'm a big fan of James Gray. He's kind of been... One of the only directors kind of championing the old, uh, like, kind of big Hollywood uh, studio movies, like artsy studio movies. But this was, uh, this was apparently like an autobiography, um retelling of his childhood in like the 80s in, in New York City. Uh, told through a cinematic lens, kind of like his 400 blows, but I thought... It was a really good movie like the the cinematography was incredible like you had Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong and Anthony Hopkins all just really really great performances. Anne Hathaway felt like she lived in that time. Uh Anthony Hopkins though, his you know with the really talented cast that he was with, I think he kind of shone brighter than everyone but it was uh, the story itself is a, is a pretty a pretty intense story uh, we're dealing with a lot of like societal issues that we're facing now and I, I thought like what this movie did really well is uh, it was nostalgic but it also it also showed the kind of like yeah the 1980s were beautiful but it showed like okay we were dealing with problems back then that you know have just progressively gotten worse today but these problems will were still here then because I think in today's entertainment you see it a lot of just like nostalgia like oh wasn't this time great but what it did a really good job of was was showing kind of like hey yeah this time was great but also there were some really really awful things going on at the same time and uh, had a few kind of surprise characters pop up that uh, that showed you that you know the people that were in power back then you know influenced the people who were in power now and uh had a lot of do to do with american politics it was all set during the rise of uh the election of reagan and then uh surprisingly enough james gray character like the head of the school is actually donald trump's father and so that was kind of an, an interesting critique to make but uh, I thought it was a really well-made movie. Uh, James Gray's is, is just has such an eye for performance. Uh, the the only thing that kind of didn't particularly enjoy about the movie was that like, because James Gray's really, really well, really, really good about being subtle. And I think there were a lot of subtle things to it, but there were a couple moments in the movie that were kind of double explained. And it just kind of felt like one of those things where, mate, because James Gray's typically been able to just kind of create his own movies and with no studio feedback. But I know after Ad Astro wasn't the biggest hit, I've heard that, you know, the studio's kind of clamping down and, and you could kind of see a little bit of those, you know, a little bit of the studio notes probably making their way into the film. But but overall, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. I think it handles like a tough subject. Like a very tough subject with a very soft and, and empathetic hand. And uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd give it like 7 out of 10.
1: Nice. What about you, Katie? What would you think of the movie?
2: I, I, I think it left a good impression on me. I left wanting to know more about what Paul then did in his life afterwards like he seemed very determined to make a change or something afterwards um so it did make me want to know more uh i was engaged in the story and i'm always down for anne hasley i love her so much incredible performer um and anthony hopkins was really good in this um yeah I, it's it's not a genre i would usually just watch because it is quite heavy um but i think it did well showing the struggles Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. I'll give it a seven as well.
1: Nice. Okay. Well, let's uh, take uh, one last quick break and then we're going to come back and, uh, recap uh, Love is Blind Season 3, Episodes 8 through 10. And then we're also going to talk our movie club, which is No Country for Old Men. All right, back in a bit. Alright, welcome back. And uh, we're here going to talk about uh, Love is Blind, episodes 8 through 10. It's going to be really tough because episode 10 ends on such a cliffhanger, Katie. I don't know. I, I have to really bite my tongue <laughs> because I've seen the resolution for how it all resolves. And I'm like, don't say anything. It's so hard. It might be the hardest thing I've done this week, actually. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, why did you think of uh, episodes eight through ten of Love Is Blind season three?
2: It's it's so difficult to say anything about any of the couples now, knowing what happens to them. Yes. Um. Basically,
1: we're saying sympathize with us because we've got a tough life. We've seen all the episodes.
2: It. I think. They, you know, they did, like, show, I guess they did schedule the couples well, like, this sequence. Um, if I hadn't watched the last episode, I wouldn't have complained about, like, the, so far, the couples that have been shown to me, Mm. um, I think it's just it. I still stand by it. I think this season, everybody seems sort of like not real. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Like, they don't seem like real people. Yeah. And it confuses me a lot. Uh... <laughs> also
1: too, like, some of the couples just seem so bizarre and like well, SK and um, Raven, the, like, that was such the weirdest couple. And I was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. And I loved how the show was like, yeah, we're just quickly going to just get this over with. Because like, yeah, get up there. And SK's like, no, can't marry you. And I was like.
2: No, but I do think he had good reason. I do think yeah. he did the right
1: thing. Yeah.
2: And I, I think it was. Equally as hard of a decision for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so ultimately, I think I really appreciate it that he did that because. Well, I've seen the online discussions, apparently they're giving things another shot. I don't know, but I feel like if he had said yes, it wouldn't have ended as well.
1: Yeah, and, like, I think he does say, like, he really likes her. It's just obviously, like, he, he had some reasons to think it would have last forever. So, which is fair. Because, you know, hey, marriage is a forever thing. So, if you... It's just
2: unfortunate.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, uh, yeah, and then we kind of get the lead up to... Uh, Nancy and Partiz's ceremony and just cuts to black and uh yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything's more, been more aggravating for me in a long time but even on that note I'm like ah oh, you guys but uh yeah I won't, won't say anything more about that but uh yeah and I did think like uh, so, like the Matt and Colleen stuff is so hot and cold it's probably the most frustrating thing about the show for me because like They'll be like doing okay and then like they had their last dinner together uh in the aquarium and Colleen's just like Yeah, I don't if I had to answer right now, I would say I don't want to marry you and Matt's just like I I don't like what is with these two? Like they're just like the weirdest couple. They seem like literally on the razor's edge of just like blowing up and hating each other at every single possible minute. It's just too much.
2: They give me whiplash.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cuz they they go from like, "Ah, oh, you're the best person ever. I love you." And then just like, "Oh, dare you go out past 2:30 at the morning. Uh, and I'm like, "Oh my god, these two are too much." Like, I don't, <laughs> know. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, what would you rate these these episodes or what what's your ongoing store, a score for the series? I think you were like around a 7 or an 8 last time, I think
2: yeah I think I'll go with a seven point five
1: okay yeah, I don't think this the series or the season at least is as strong as season two. I think season two was the strongest for me. Um, season one's okay, but I think season one it's uh the people aren't nearly as interesting as season two. And this one like you could tell they were like, oh these people are interesting. But it's, like, almost to the point where it's not believable that they'd be couples. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go with, like, an 8. It's still entertaining, even though I know they're not, like, most of them are going to end up, like, pretty much borderline hating each other. I still, I'm still along for the ride, so. Okay, and then before we wrap up this episode, let's talk a little bit about No Country for Old Men. A movie I haven't seen since I saw it on, like, Netflix. I want to say, like, five, six years ago. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've rewatched this movie. So I rewatched it for this episode. And, man, this movie's good. It's also a really downer of a movie. And I think when I watched it, like, I'm so intrigued by, like, the action and whatnot and the good performances that I didn't focus too much on, like, just how depressing this movie is. It really just makes you feel down on life, just every possible second. Um, yeah, what did uh, the two of you think of "No Country for Old Men"?
0: Oh man, I love I think... this movie. Oh, you go first. Okay, "No Country for Old Men" is one of my like favorites. I love the Coen Brothers, and you know, one of the like scariest villains in a movie to ever exist and like yeah it's it's to me it's just like basically like a poem of a movie movie you know especially with like no score in that movie it's all just you know you just sitting with your thoughts after watching all of this stuff happen but you know growing up around that area because it was all filmed around a little town in texas but growing up around that area and kind of Seeing, you know, real landscapes and then seeing like these, these scary things happen and watching, you know, these characters deal with that is, is a uh, is I mean, to me, it's, it's like one of my favorite movies. But uh, Tommy Lee Jones little speech at the end always gets me every time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's always good to, to rewatch that and, and uh, see, you know, how that hits you you know especially as i get older too i feel like the the speech kind of you know hits me a little bit a little bit harder every time i see it but yeah but.
1: totally it's just like i don't know it kind of plays into like just how just down life is you know just sometimes i don't know it's also probably not the greatest movie to watch during fall when things are like bleak <laughs> just kind of wet and gross outside uh it's great um What about you, Katie? What did you think of this movie?
2: I really liked it. I, I think it's a really well made movie. Um I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. I was like, oh my god, this man is after this other man. Like it's it's there's a lot of it's it's there's too many men on the screen, but also it was nice. I really enjoyed the chase. I enjoyed the the haircut that he had, incredible. Um, and yeah, I have nothing else to say. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, I-, I love too about this movie that, like, there just seems to be this constant sense of, like, dread just kind of, like, creeping up throughout the movie. And you think it just gets so dangerously close for so many characters so many times. And, uh, yeah. Like, when the one guy comes up to the bus stop and helps the old woman with the thing, I'm like, oh no not her like oh gosh this is scary
0: um yeah it's it's that it's that scene where he he does the coin flip you know yeah in oh the, my
2: god uh, that scene was insane
0: I, I i love it so much but like the reason the, the reason i'm seen makes it like that character so terrifying is because you realize in that moment it's like He doesn't have any moral at all like he he doesn't doesn't. have a reason for anything that he's doing it's all just chance and like what's what's scarier than like no motive you know just like destroying to destroy
1: yeah
0: so make me terrified of coin flips for the next few weeks but
1: yeah (laughs) nobody flip a coin around ryan for the next couple weeks please we don't need this um yeah and, uh, it's funny, because, uh, well I think that's how you pronounce his name, like, he just kind of goes through and, like, ah, uh, man, the whole time, you're just, like, you know that he's trying to escape fate, but it's just creeping up on him the whole time, it's, it's just fantastic. Again. And he's
2: also way out of his death.
1: Yes, 100%.
2: Like, he does not know what he's doing, he just... Got himself into the situation and now he can't get out.
1: Yeah, but I I think too it's it um, you know, was also the one of the final scenes where uh, Sugar goes and visits his wife and like I don't know I I've, I've seen some people have some very optimistic takes on that scene and I'm a little more pessimistic where I'm like yeah I don't think I don't think she she made it out of that uh scene alive unfortunately
2: no um, me neither <laughs> i
1: think it's just in line with the movie i think if it was like any other writer or any other movie maybe but this is a carmack mccarthy novel being adapted and it's the Coens. like i think he cleaned something off his boot and i always took that to be blood or something like that or some kind of guts or something like I don't yeah know. wasn't it red I think it's like far enough that it was like a little hard to make out. I did try to, I was trying to see. I'm like, what is he taking off of his boot? But I couldn't quite make out what it was. But yeah, it's just stuff like that. Like even, even when the movie leaves you with ambiguity, you still kind of just are like, it, it, like you're becoming pessimistic just because of this movie. Because it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't make it out alive. Because that's just how this movie is. Like it's just so purely pessimistic in a lot of ways that like. I think no matter who you are as a person, like it just naturally brings out that pessimism where you're like, "Oh, uh, yeah, of course you didn't make it out alive." So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know Corm- Cormac McCarthy really doesn't give us any endings. So, no, kind of like a choose your yeah. own adventure for adults, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of what's great with him as a writer. It's like, I think he gives you the tools to kind of make a conclusion, but he ultimately leaves you to kind of make that conclusion. He's not going to do that for you. Because, yeah, I definitely think she doesn't make it out alive, and I think, like, the movie ends poorly for a lot of people, but I think that's also just how things go sometimes, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Cool.
0: It's always funny to me to see who loves and who doesn't, like, like, really just despises that ending. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, I mean, the 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 speech is kind of the is the key to it, you know. He's like, I keep on, you know, chasing this this fire that, you know, like, you know, keep on finding these fires and keep on chasing it. And he was like, it never never ends. And like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Basically, basically, just tells you right there, like, yeah, this that's the point of this is that it, you know, it's cyclical; it never ends, you know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So I guess. To each their
2: own.
1: True. So what's everyone thinking uh, score-wise for this movie? 8.5. Okay.
0: What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I give it a 9 out of 10. It's, you know, it's it's about as good as they get. But, yeah. Nice.
1: Um, Okay. Next week is Sparks Pick. I don't know if he's gonna be on next week, so you know what? Executive decision. We're gonna. I'll. I'll take over next week, and then he can do it the week after. We'll, we'll. We'll figure out what his is. Next week we'll do the Departed, the Martin Scorsese classic, Leo, and uh, Matt Damon. I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, we'll watch that for next week. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye for now.